Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, January 5th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the state's medical association issues suggestions for lawmakers to tackle the hospital crisis. Then members of the faith community invite state officials and legislators to let prayer bridge the political divide, plus creating a new Black Wall Street in Hattiesburg. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Medical professionals are calling for lawmakers to make changes to how health care is delivered in Mississippi. In a statement released this week, the Mississippi State Medical Association offered solutions to lawmakers on how to address the hospital crisis. Dr. John Cross is president of the Board of Trustees. He says the organization has been active at the Capitol this week, seeking dialogue that can resolve the state's health care woes. We need to sit down and discuss you know, what alternatives are there? You know, how do we uh, increase the access of care of Mississippians uh, to uh, the healthcare uh, healthcare team? Um, so we're uh, having good conversations with the legislature, uh, looking for ways uh, to help the financial shortfalls in some of these rural hospitals, uh, looking for ways to increase the uh, physician-led team care model uh, that we can deliver uh, healthcare to different parts of the state. Um, and uh, just looking forward to uh, working with the, the legislature this session um, as we talk about ways that, you know, the working poor and the different poor um, can can have access to health care. Uh, we're also looking for an extension of postpartum benefits uh, uh, for mothers on Medicaid uh, and a couple of issues that have kind of come to light since the COVID pandemic. Can you give us a brief overview of how serious this situation is for the state of Mississippi? Well, you know, we, we had different uh, difficulties with, you know, uh, access as far as uh, hospitalizations and stuff during the pandemic. Uh, and now coming out of the pandemic, we're having financial issues, uh, overhead costs for uh, hospitals. I know Dr. Eddy from the State Department of Health has discussed uh, multiple hospitals across the state uh, that are uh, running short that may uh, be forced to close within the next six to 12 months. Uh, and we're looking for avenues to, uh, one, you know, short-term needs of those hospitals and two, you know, long-term plans uh, to to put hospitals where they're accessible to Mississippians based on geography, population changes, uh, to help generate the local economy. You know, we believe healthcare is an economic driver. Um, healthy communities are, are stronger to attract new businesses uh, higher paid salaries. Um, Health care is important, uh, just like education and other uh, staples of the community. So uh, we're working and doing our best um, to uh, help physicians do their jobs and help physicians uh, treat uh, the patients across Mississippi. Uh, Mississippi's last in, in several uh, infant mortality numbers, uh, and we're trying to get off the bottom. Uh, and we, we feel like there's no better time than now to make changes that can affect healthcare in the next 50 years, and that's um, being strategic about uh, finding the right place uh, for healthcare for the right patient at the right time. Um, and we look forward to working the legislative session this year. In the opinion piece that 
was sent out by the Mississippi State Medical Association yesterday, it's mentioned that the health care crisis in the state has been foreseeable for years and was predicted. Do you have hope that something is going to come to fruition at the legislature that is going to move the state forward when it comes to providing quality health care and access that is deliverable to Mississippians? Well, I think, you know, every legislator uh, in their district um, has had a case, either a friend or a family member um, that has been trying to, you know, get through the health care system for whatever problems and had difficulties with bed shortages, um, you know, insurance coverages, uh, different network problems, uh, all kinds of boundaries uh, to quality health care. So uh, we feel like the... Uh, legislature is um, looking to discuss these things, uh, probably different from other years in the past. They realize the importance of it, uh, and they realize the importance of uh, community health care as, as an economic driver for the communities. Uh, so I do feel hopeful uh, that they're looking at ways um, to help out you know, the working poor and the other people in Mississippi that, that cost has been a, a barrier to their, to their health care. One thing the state health officer has said that expanding Medicaid at this point would not solve Mississippi's health care crisis. So I notice in your opinion piece, there are five recommendations, one being to raise the income eligibility for Medicaid. What are you looking at there? Well, I think what the state health officer meant is even if you were to flip the switch on Medicare expansion today, it may take several years to get those funds funneling back through the state. Uh, and from what he's told us and from other uh, data sources, these hospitals are in crisis now. Uh, so we need some short-term uh, help with getting the, the hospitals uh, back on good financial footing. And then we need a plan for a long-term solution uh, of which uh, service lines are needed in which geographic areas. Uh, part of the, the plan that we discussed um, was to alleviate some of the short-term uh, hospital fees and uh, taxes that they're paying now. Um, and so also that uh, extension or expansion of the income levels on Medicaid needs to be you know, taken a look at. We want to reward uh, citizens that are out working um, that may not have employee health sh- uh, insurance programs. We want to reward those people uh, and provide Uh, much-needed care and give them some relief uh, at this time. So is it the uncompensated care, the staffing costs that are really driving this health care issue? We feel like the the uncompensated care is just a piece of the puzzle. It's it's more complex than just the um, uncompensated care. Uh, That's definitely a part of it uh, because hospitals are uh, the ones faced with the uncompensated care. Uh, but we also need a long-term solution, uh, and that's to look at, you know, what, how do we, how do we improve healthcare? You know, is that, you know, better broadband access? Is that the uh, physician-led multidisciplinary teams of uh, working with uh, the therapist and the uh, nurse coordinators and the uh, social workers and the pharmacists and all working together on telehealth? Uh, to allow access on telehealth. Right. So if you had in some of these rural areas, if you had. Uh, whether it's telehealth or broadband access, that you could have more patient interaction, more patient touches. Uh, I think that would help long term as well. The un- uncompensated care is you know, a big piece of the puzzle, uh, but not the, the entire puzzle. 
Well, you did mention rural hospitals, but essentially aren't all hospitals in a delicate situation in Mississippi? Yes. And, of course, the larger hospital systems are able to weather that storm a little bit better than the smaller hospital systems. Uh, So, you know, currently we have some very large systems. You know, there's the university system, there's the Baptist system, there's the St. Dominic system, the Ochsner system. Those larger systems can weather those storms. The ones that are really getting the the pinch and the push are these smaller, either county-owned or small private hospitals. And these are where much of the staffing for the community is the local community. It's sometimes the largest employer or one of the largest employers, right? Right. And it's a key economic driver for that community. And, you know, all, all kinds of skilled healthcare workers, whether it's respiratory therapists, pharmacists, nurses, they're all getting drawn sometimes for higher pay and higher salaries from these larger metro hospitals. And that might be Memphis, that might be New Orleans, that might be, you know, somewhere out of state as well. And that drives up the, the cost of those uh, those professions, you know, supply and demand for those local hospitals have to compete with that as well. Dr. John Cross, president of the Mississippi State Medical Association Board of Trustees, we appreciate your time in speaking with us. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up, members of the faith community invite state officials and legislators to let prayer bridge the political divide. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The 2023 legislative session kicked off this week. It is the last session of lawmakers' four-year term in office, and chamber leadership expects to tackle a number of pressing issues. Religious leaders are joining lawmakers to pray for guidance during the session, and they're discussing how faith can bridge political boundaries in the Capitol. MPB's Kobe Vance reports. During a prayer breakfast held in First Baptist Church in Jackson, lawmakers from across the state are discussing their hopes for the legislative session with members of the faith community. Pastor C.J. Rhodes of Mount Helm Baptist Church chairs the board of Mission Mississippi, a faith-based organization focused on Christian reconciliation and racial healing. Mission Mississippi has been a beacon of hope in this state, bringing together people across denominational, racial, and even political lines. Today that will be reflected in our time of prayer. Several guests were invited to pray during the meal and were accompanied by state leaders who gave words of encouragement to others in the crowd. Speaker of the House Philip Gunn calls on lawmakers to have their faith inform policy decisions, and Governor Tate Reeves says Mississippi's elected officials should honor a religious calling to be good stewards for the people. Brian Crawford is the president-elect for Mission Mississippi. We are here to pray because we believe our leaders, our legislature, and our state need the Lord's help. 
And not just because of the unique time that we are living in and because we're Mississippi or different from any other state. We simply just believe that we need the Lord's help because we always need it. No policy decisions were discussed during the breakfast, but advocates for bipartisanship say this could be one of the few gatherings of the session where lawmakers gather under shared ideology. Kobe Vance, MPB News. Filing for candidacy for the 2023 election is underway. Earlier this week, Governor Tate Reeves announced his campaign to run for a second term. He could have a challenger. Mississippi Today reports former state Supreme Court Chief Justice Bill Waller is strongly considering running against Reeves for the governor's seat. The two went head to head in a runoff election in 2019 for the party's nomination. Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman, a Republican, is expected to make a campaign announcement today at the state capitol. He's in his first term as lieutenant governor after serving 12 years as secretary of state. Republican House Speaker Philip Gunn says he will not seek re-election. Coming up, creating a new black Wall Street in Hattiesburg. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. If you aren't near a radio, you can still listen to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. You can download the MPB Public Media app for your smartphone or listen online at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Tony Romanick is on a mission to help bridge the wealth gap. The real estate investor and president of Linked Up Empowerment Center says re-envisioning the economic vibrancy of Tulsa's Black Wall Street and Mississippi's Mound Bayou is a step toward achieving that. It's why he's invested over $1 million in revitalizing a strip mall in the Hattiesburg area to attract small business owners that may have been overlooked by banks. Romanick shares his vision and mission with us. We seek to close the wealth gap by... Um, providing financial education and also providing opportunities for affordable homes, entrepreneurship, and access to mainstream banking. Um, There's a focus for uh, the younger generation where we go into the schools in the state of Mississippi. We focus on schools that are located in low to moderate income communities, and we offer free uh, financial workshops. And, um, and for the adults, we offer um, business planning, uh, development, um, also affordable homes, and even affordable um, commercial office and retail space. For those who seeking to go into business or expand their businesses, we have places for them to um, put their businesses at. Okay, and you are expanding. You're in Hattiesburg. You just bought the Greenwood Plaza in Hattiesburg, a 20-unit strip mall, in a over a million-dollar deal. Would that be accurate? Yes. What type of businesses are in there so far? Well, there's a variety. We have a medical clinic, um, urgent care. There's a um, a trophy shop. There's a construction uh, headquarters, headquartered there. 
there's a uh, catering business. Um, there's like home and health care uh, business there, real estate company, insurance company. Um, we have a barbershop and a hair salon. We have an esthetician that's there um, with an esthetician business. Um, also, there's a um, there's a jiu-jitsu. So that's quite a bit going on. Yeah, it is. You said it took about a year to close the deal. You probably ran into some hurdles, and that's yeah. what you help people with. What was it like trying to make this happen? Well, that's a great question. And so um, <clears throat> I ran into the same hurdles that I helped uh, some of our clients get over, right? And it was shocking because I have great credit. I have a great relationship with banks. I have substantial capital in the bank. And yet still, um, I ran into roadblocks. And some of the roadblocks I ran into, number one was, some banks just flat out said, hey, um, we're not looking for those type of deals right now. Uh, one bank um, told me that, hey, um, the the equity in the deal um, is uh, is questionable, um, which I know that wasn't true because the bank, the, the, the property was very underutilized. And if the property can reach its potential, which we call the after repair value, it was going to have way more equity. Um, the property is going to be worth way more than what I paid for it at that point. But the bank yet still told me um, no equity. And then the deal that I did finally land on with a bank, uh, the credit, the um, the interest rates were too high, which would have made the property unaffordable um, uh, for me and not make sense for what I was trying to do with the property. So um, those were the kind of uh, roadblocks that I that I ran into, and um, it's um, and it just made me my heart go out to for for businesses that are even smaller than mine and people with uh, credit that's less than mine and people who have less capital than I have. It just made my heart go out uh, for them to um, wonder what do they do in those situations. And how and how and and so that made me even more um, impassioned about trying to help close this this lending gap because sometimes it seems like banks are from Mars and smaller business people are from Venus and so we got to close that lending gap. What do you think it'll take? Oh well, I think um, information and conversation. Um, number one, I think on both sides. Helping the um, the small business owner and minority business owner understand exactly what the banks are looking for, and and once we establish what that understanding is, then we go in to help them uh, create the bank ready documents, financial documents, and then um, helping the banks understand what the you know what the entrepreneur needs. I work with the smallest of small business owners, not just small business owners. I work with smaller business owners. That's a kind of that's a different mindset because the definition that the government gives for a small business is 500 employees or less. Well, that's still big. 
the type of business owner that I work with maybe have five employees or less. And so that's a different need. And so now I have I help the banker. The, the goal is to help bankers understand what that type of business owner needs. A person who may not have the best credit, but they're on the line um, from crossing the line from having you know bad credit to having okay credit. How do we get them? How do we help them improve their credit scores? Um, then um, a person may not have capital just sitting in their bank account. How can we help them find capital? And then here's the biggest one, too, I found out. Just simply a person having confidence to even apply at the bank. Just confidence. And so so maybe holding people's hand through the process, kind of like a big brother would. Um, helping somebody, helping their smaller sibling, you know, learn how to ride a bike. And that's how I see it for what we do at LinkedIn, helping them learn how to ride the financial bike. Going back to the Greenwood Plaza, you said that, I, I saw this quote in an article, that you want that to replicate Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Mound Bayou mm-hmm. in Mississippi. Mound Bayou was established mm-hmm. by black folks, and it's less mm-hmm. known probably than uh, Black Wall Street in Tulsa, but it was still a thriving uh, community where there was a lot of black ownership and leadership. Yeah, so this business was inspired uh, by by that community and communities like it. Um, and so... Black Wall Street was really a response to racism. It wasn't created because blacks were just looking to be exclusive, right? It was created during the time of segregation, so they had no choice, right? So now we're living in the time of integration. So it would be really hard to 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 duplicate that exactly how it was because we we, but however, um, our focus is. Um, business owners who are overlooked and left out and underfunded. And um, nine times out of 10, that's the African-American business owner. And so that's our, that's our focus group. Um, however, we have, you know, other ethnicities in the building. Um, however, 70% are African-American. And so then what you're saying is in terms of replicating Black Wall Street, you want a place where black businesses can thrive and you can help them do that. Yeah, so so they can thrive and you help them can... thrive. Yes. yes, ma'am. Okay. Tony Romanek, the owner of mm-hmm. Linked Up Empowerment Center and the owner of the Greenwood Plaza in Hattiesburg, mm-hmm. Mississippi. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Congratulations on the effort and, and what you're doing. And we appreciate you sharing your vision with us. Thank you. Thank you for even being interested in the store. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.